Nation. You're invited to take your seat. Take a seat. At the Warriors Roundtable. It's a three. In and out. Rebound. Payton. Out to Curry. Let's it fly. Three ball. Left corner pocket. Welcome to the table. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. 95-7 the game. Curry fires away. Three ball. Above the break. Here's Kevin Dana. What up, ladies and gentlemen? We welcome you to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. Talking all things dubs for the next 60 minutes. Hit us up if you want to chat. 888-957-9570. Kevin Dana, Gary St. Jean rocking with you. And we'll start with the game on Christmas. The five-game win streak snapped in Denver a couple days back. Another clutch game for Golden State. Dubs faltering down the stretch out, scored by seven over the last three to four minutes or so. And they're now, how about this, Gary? They've played 30 games this year. 80% of those games have been defined as clutch games. A five-point game in the final five minutes of regulation. And they are 12 and 12 in those games. I guess that's where you should be. But we'll start with this. So many clutch games for Golden State. Is there anything you're noticing, Saint, in crunch time of games that consistently bothers you with Golden State? Well, first, let me share belated Merry Christmas to you and all of our Warrior fans. Merry Christmas. You know, that game, uh, as a coach, you go off the floor, you're playing against the world champs uh, defending in their arena, and you don't get a very good whistle. And uh, you don't want to use as an excuse. We can talk more about the officiating later. But late game situations, you know, we're seeing a trend here. Uh, You're going to see more and more teams try to double team Steph. Uh, whether it's a zone look, sometimes like the Warriors show, or like a one-two-two, and if he gets it uh, into the front court, they're going to come at him. Anytime he's in a pick and roll, they're going to come at him. And the importance then is, I call the hockey assist, that he can get rid of it out of the double team, find somebody at the nail. Well, what the heck is the nail? The nail is the middle of the free throw line. There's a nail right there. And we tell players... Be available for that pass out of the double team and then look weak. Catch, look weak. And it's invariably a big guy at the nail. So you want a guy like Clay uh, on the weak side or Podzimski, those kind of guys that can make a shot for you. Uh, Other than that, I I don't have a lot of issues. Um, This is is where the league is right now. There's a lot of parity. And uh, to give yourself a chance to win on the road, you're feeling good about it. And then, you know, then you kind of can complain a little bit about the officiating. But by and large, no, it, it's it's been good in my book. Well, one thing that I've noticed, saying is that the defense hasn't been great lately. Even though they're 5-1 and one in their last six, yeah. they have a defensive rating of 116, which is 12th over that stretch, but would be 23rd for the regular season, for the entire season. Uh, what have you noticed about the defense uh, in, in these close game well, situations? Well, uh, you know, we were, we were speaking about the offense. Now you're talking about late-game defense. Well, you're missing a Hall of Fame uh, player uh, who's who's resume is fantastic uh, forward defender who basically can guard all five positions. When you have a player like that, what a luxury it is for your defense. Not only the switching ability and playing other sizes, but his knowledge and his communication with his teammates. It's exceptional. 
So you miss that. And we don't see as much loony late-game situations. Yeah. He's another quality defender. And uh, so with that said, there's an adjustment. And, for example, look at a positive. I think Kaminga has been a lot better defensively, especially with the challenge on the ball. And if I'm going to take a bright light away from the game Christmas Day, it's the play of Wiggins. And I've said this for months. The two of them are the keys here. I know who Steph is. We can praise Clay for the last, what, six games or whatever. And uh, But if those two guys are playing at a good, solid level, boy, then you become an entirely different team. Yeah, you absolutely do. Jonathan Kaminga, 13 points in the loss. And Andrew Wiggins off the bench, 22. And he was a plus 18 team high mm-hmm. in the plus minus. He was great. Now, you've, we imagine you have heard the Steve Kerr soundbite. We won't replay it when he talks about how the game is being officiated. But I will point out some numbers. Denver shot 17 free throws in the third quarter. Game turned into a total slog. And and also, the third quarter took 31 minutes, and the fourth quarter took 29 minutes. I imagine it's very rare that the third quarter takes longer than the fourth quarter in a clutch game. Well, Kev, I I can say this from experience. The league doesn't want that. They they don't want that kind of a whistle. Now, now we can get into that fourth quarter and you say, well, what did the Warriors do wrong? Well, this is the change in the NBA officiating. You know, when I was coaching 70s, 80s, late 90s, early 2000, the defense could be a lot more physical. And, and you ask your players when you're guarding a guy with the ball to try to keep the hands up, stay vertical, don't reach. And then you see the offensive player initiating contact. That drives the defender. That drives the coaches. That drives everybody up the wall. Uh, and it's just a change in how they're, they're officiating. Now, are you going to complain about Jokic? Well, Embiid does it more than him. And they're just really, really smart in how they initiate contact. And uh, I know it's really frustrating. And, and I, I, you hate to say it, but I thought it was the key to, key to the game. Yeah, I mean, Jokic goes 18 of 18 from the foul line. And honestly, can't really blame Jokic if they're going to continue to call yes, that. That's what exactly. he should be doing. Yes, you're exact. You're spot on. And, and that's what you teach your bigs is when you catch it in there and those hands are like that and you're in tight quarters, you lead with the inside shoulder and, and go for the chest, go for the midline there. And you're going to get that call invariably. It just happens. That's, that's the way our game is today, whether we like it or not. And you know what? We used to practice this. Kev, you're going to laugh at this. All right. We used to do a layup line. And we'd have a guy, maybe Manute or somebody, trying to block shots. And we practiced screaming. Okay. We practiced screaming. Because nobody was better at it than Magic Johnson. When he went to the hoop, ah! (laughs) I mean, it it was crazy. So we practiced that sometimes. And people said, you did what? And, and, you know, officials are human. And, and you know what? You got to sell. You got to sell it. You got to sell the call. And, uh, you know, some players are better to that than others. So, so that screaming, I take it, worked for Magic Johnson? Uh, yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that, that's, a funny, that's a funny one. I like that one, Sate. Well, I, I got to suggest, as we're talking about 
the defense being officiated out of the game. I got a suggestion for a way that defense could be officiated into the game that I think would make the game exciting. And we might have talked about this in the past, eight, but I would really love to see the FIBA goaltending rule adopted in the NBA where the ball is live once it hits the rim. I was doing a game with Festus Azili at the G League Showcase this, oh boy. Uh, this uh, past uh, weekend in Orlando. And Festus nice. said he wished he could have played with those rules as he, he was trying to make an Olympic run with in Nigeria. But I, I think it would be interesting, and it doesn't happen a ton in European leagues that I've watched. You know, it's maybe affecting one or two possessions per game. And since there's no defense of three seconds, you can't just wait underneath the rim and bat the ball off the rim. So I don't think it would change it a ton, but I think it would make for one or two more exciting possessions per game on defense. I I, per, I personally like it, and I don't know why we haven't tried it. Uh, I don't know what the gripe is. Maybe they maybe just are worried about the officials. But to me, it might be easier to deal with that than the goaltending. But we don't have as many block shots as we used to. The game was shooting so many threes. There's not as much dribble penetration or paint play. Um, to your point with Festus, what a great guy. Oh, yeah. I wish the wish the knees held up for him. I thought he would have had a long career. Just a really sharp guy. And this week, Kev, I sent congratulations up to his junior college coach uh, nice. up in the Sacramento area. He had five, his 500th win. And uh, he just, all the time that I saw him up there, just ranting and raved about what a fantastic guy Festus is. I mean, what a story Festus is. I'll take a quick detour huh. here. He got cut from his high school team That's and made right. it to the NBA. Just unreal. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah great, really great story. Is. Well, one kind of... I don't know what, what the right word is it for, but an interesting trend continued on Monday in Denver. Steph's Christmas struggles. Yeah. 18 points on 7 of 21 shooting, 3 of 13 from deep in that game. And overall, in the 10 Christmas games he has played now, he's averaging just 15.4 points per game and 34% shooting. He's eclipsed 20 points just once in those 10 games. I mean, I know it's a very small sample size for someone who has played as many NBA regular season games as he has and has set all the three-point records and into eternity, most likely. But what gives? <laughs> it might it might have something to do with what a great dad he is and maybe he misses his kids. You know, guys are human. It, it, playing on Christmas is tough. I, I, I got to coach in a couple of those. And uh, sometimes if you're the road team, you know, you got to leave your kids and your wife and all that kind of stuff. And who's a better dad than Steph? Um I can't pinpoint anything, but, uh, you know, on the other side of the coin, he's playing as well as I've ever seen him play. Kev, here's a positive you take. Him having that kind of a game, and yet you're still there with a great chance to win. I mean, there's positives you take from that game. And now you're coming home for a nice homestand. You're playing some tough teams, uh, starting with Miami. But. The way you've been playing, uh, you're you're going to take care of business. I, I just like I like the feel of the team right now. 
Yeah, I do too. I think they are in a pretty good spot, and we'll we'll get into it a little more on the other side of the break. But I do like where the Warriors are at right now, winning five of their last six. And look, you were right in the game with the defending cha- uh, defending champs. You had a lead late in the fourth quarter of that one. I, I don't think right now, con- considering where they were when they went in a four of sixteen slide, where they lost twelve <laughs> of sixteen games, I think things are certainly a little brighter now. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the depth that Golden State has and how it might even be a a bit of uh, not the best thing in certain instances. We'll talk about Marcus Thompson's article. Each and every member of Dub Nation has a seat at this table. If everybody would please take your seats. The Warriors Roundtable has returned on 95.7 The Game. What's up, folks? We welcome you back to Warriors Roundtable, reminding you that the Warriors 2023-24 season is presented by Kaiser Permanente. Kevin Dan alongside Gary St. Jean, take your calls all hour long, 888-957-9570, and that number, 888-957-9570. Well, back to the Nuggets game, and I thought Marcus Thompson had a pretty interesting article for The Athletic, where he basically posed the question, do the Warriors have too much depth? Because he was using Jonathan Kaminga as the example. He was going to work offensively in that game. He, he was dominating. He was putting yeah. his back to the basket. He was getting to the hoop at will. And he only played three minutes and 35 seconds in the fourth quarter. But the problem was, and maybe that is not exactly a problem, but who would you have played him over? Because the bench unit was so great in that game. And you know that Steve Kerr only likes to use nine guys in his rotation. So some guys are going to be out of the rotation who are very deserving of being in that every night rotation. Well, you know, in answer to the Christmas game, I thought Wiggins was playing so well that you couldn't take him off the floor. And for me, uh, with Green out, those two guys at the forward spots, to me, I love that. And then you just have to decide, you know, if you're going to play Chris Paul along with uh, Clay and Steph. Now, if you're going to play the three guards, then you got a decision to make with the two forwards. Uh, the center position, you know, it's been played by committee with Loon playing in the beginning and a lot of Sarek and Davis. And, and I think that may be the way it goes for a while. But uh, that, that to me is the summation. Uh, you know, <laughs> I have to say this, the way he's playing and the decision making he's making, you have to consider Podzimski for late game minutes. He, he's you playing that well. And, uh, you know, to address your situation, that's a fan or a writer's dream to start figuring out, okay, now we got all these assets. Can we make a trade? Can we put this package together and can we get this guy? You know, the rumor mill out there, who's available? You know, you go on and on and on. And, uh, you know, to me, it's a good problem. You're going to have injuries. I mean, you're looking at Peyton's situation. You're looking at Green's situation, and you've had others. And uh, it's, uh, I guess you'd call it a good problem, but it, it's tough on the players. It is, because like yeah. Steve said, he'd like to play nine, maybe ten. Yeah. And a couple guys are, are just have to stay ready and understand the situation. Here's what you do as a coach, Kev. Right. You sit down with the team. And then you sit and explain that, just what I shared. Then you sit down with those individuals who are on the bubble and maybe going to be out of the rotation. And you sit down with them and you lay it out to them. Now, they might not like it, 
But the fact you were honest up front, uh, players respect that. Yeah, no, that, that's for sure. you got to have those open lines of communication for sure. And, I mean, they're about to have a serious logjam when Draymond and GP2 do return. I mean, uh, i got to ask you, Saint, how rare was it that you had 12 guys when you were coaching that you really trusted in the rotation? Uh, only my days, uh, my six, seven years in Milwaukee in the 80s when we went toe-to-toe with Magic and Kareem and Bird and, and Julius Irving, those three teams. Um, you know, we had a team like that, but the, that that's a rarity. And, you know, you, you just don't know as a player when your opportunity is going to come. And, uh, you know, I, I look at Davis and, and just the fact that uh, four years of college played for a guy, uh, Mike Woodson, who had a heck of a career in the league, who I know really well. And he's ready. And he gives you what you call, Tim Roy and I were talking about this, Kev, when you were doing your G League assignment. We were talking about vertical spacing. And he's the only guy that can do that for the Warriors. And and what does that mean? When he plays pick and roll, he dives to the rim. And he gives Chris Paul, who's the best in the business at pick and roll, or whoever's got it, he gives them that opportunity that the defense has to rotate to him. And defenses today... Vertical spacing means you have to honor the guy going vertical, but it sucks in the wing defenders on the baseline. Yeah. And invariably, one of them is going to be wide open for a three. So do you give up the dunk or do you give up the three? People today's game are paranoid about getting in what we call defensive rotations, where I go to help you on that pick and roll, and then I go back to the middle of the paint. And maybe the weak side defenders come in, so that kicks me to the outside. Uh, It's a little technical, but rotations create openings on the perimeter and quality looks. And the way the three ball is today, coaches don't like that. Yeah. Yeah, so with respect to Jackson Davis, best vertical spacer that the Warriors have had yep. since JaVale McGee? Good we call. obviously have Jonathan Kaminga, but yes. is that who's coming to mind but for he, you? But he's not, yeah, but but he's, gosh, you help me. You, you're on top of this stuff. I don't see him involved setting the pick very often, yeah. uh, Kaminga, but yeah. it, would yeah. be a, it would be a good problem to have, and... Yeah. Uh, Heck, for that matter, you could even, it depends upon the matchup and how they're defending. That dictates to the coach who he's going to run in the pick and roll. Because if he's got, I'll give you an example. Uh, Greg, my son Greg down there in Phoenix, you want to get Nurkic involved in the pick and roll. Whereas there's certain guys you want to bait to get in it when they're in that drop coverage. You'd like to get Jokic in it. Uh, you're yeah. in it too because he he won't come up there on the other side where Looney has made a lot of hay has been his ability to guard in the pick and roll situation I used to say there's no way he's going to get out there and you know what he proved it he could do yep. it and uh, that's a valuable big when you can do that Absolutely. Well, fans, the force is strong on Warriors ground. Celebrate Star Wars night at Chase Center on Tuesday, January 2nd, as the Warriors face the Orlando Magic. First 10,000 fans get an Andrew Wiggins Jedi bobblehead. Get your tickets now at warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP. Representatives standing by. And let's, let's take kind of a more of a 10,000-foot view of where things are at right now. <laughs> like, I, we were 
touching on it before the break, I do think the Warriors are in a pretty good spot right now. Yes, they'd rather not be 500, but they've won five of six. I'm not concerned by the loss at all to Denver. You can see they're the defending champs. They're really tough to play on home court. You took them down the final minutes. And really, with the respect to the five-game winning streak they had prior to the Denver loss, to me, it really started with the L.A. Clippers. I think that's where they got things going. They lost that game against the Clippers, but there was the game after Clay got benched in crunch time. Clay got going in that game, and outside of the Denver game on on Christmas, he's been going ever since. They hung with a surging Clippers team who has really been hooping lately, and and they showed some spunk in that game. Yeah, you're you're right on. That team has been really uh, gelled. Uh, We talk about the top five coaches in the league, and Tyrone Lue is one of them, and Steve Kerr's in there as well. And he's done a masterful job with those veterans. Westbrook taking a lesser role coming off the bench. Harden being more of a facilitator, not holding the ball, going one-on-one. And we all know how well Leonard and George are playing. So and uh, so they, they've they got a heck of a team. You know, even Mann and Powell, and, and uh, they're, they're really, really good. And I see them potentially... Uh, they could be knocking on a door at a top four four seed. So to go toe-to-toe with them is, is another, like Denver. When you have those kind of games, uh, you grow from that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't it feel to you like the Clippers have been kind of a tease the last five seasons? Oh, it, they, just kind of the, the story around them is like, if only they could be healthy, this team could contend to win an NBA championship. The problem is they're never always fully healthy, but they've been more healthy this year. And then after they kind of had that grace period where they worked hardened into things, it looks like they're really starting to put this together. Well, I used the term that they were a bunch of movie stars. Huh. Uh, I, I, I just didn't like the way they played. Uh, I, I didn't think there was any we and us. I think it was all about I and me. And... Uh, and with that said, I mean, you, you have to understand, you, you, as, as a team, you have to sacrifice. Uh, you have to play for each other. This isn't a one-man game. And uh, they've done it. And they've done it at a really high level. And, uh, you know, I, I think they've easily passed up, uh, say, for example, they've passed up the Lakers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's kind of been the one team they've always had the number of in the regular season, it feels like, over the last few years. They have always been able to take it to LeBron James and Anthony Davis and crew. One more thing about the clutch numbers for Golden State. We talked about they've played 24 clutch games out of the 30 in the regular season thus far. No one else has played more than 19 clutch games. They're 12 and yeah, it it is absolutely wild. And and look, they're 12 and 12 in those clutch games, but they have a 2.8 net rating in clutch games. So what the heck does that mean, Kev? All right, so basically, (laughs) offensive rating is points per 100 possessions scored. Okay. Defensive rating is points given up per 100 possessions. Ah. And, and then the net rating is the difference between your offensive rating and your defensive rating. So basically. No, that's, Stanford, that's Stanford stuff. <laughs> hey, I've never been confused to be an analytics guy, but I do love my <laughs> net rating. But basically what that net rating is saying, Saint, is that they are 2.8 possessions per uh, 2.8 points per 100 possessions better than the opposition in the final five minutes of a five point game. And, and so they should be better than 12 and 12. And you feel yeah. like if that net rating continues to play out, that they will get more 
clutch time wins. Well, don't you think, though, that just getting into uh, those situations helps you grow? Because every year yeah. it's a new team and, and maybe a new uh, late game rotation. And what do we like to run? Uh, who are, you know, this is the matchup. Who are we going to go at here? And you study this and you have what you call need plays and you have a sheet as to what you're going to is as free flowing as the Warriors look late game ATOs after timeouts. You have a sheet as a coach as to who you're going to go to for that game late game in the matchup and what play you're going to run to get to that. Nobody is much better at SS at SOBs side out of bounds than BOB baseline out of bounds plays than Steve Kerr and his staff. They do a beautiful job with that. And uh, so I just think you get better. Uh, I, you know, and you maybe you're incorporating a, a guy like Podzimski and you know, Kaminga hasn't been in a lot of those. So you yeah. got a couple of guys there that haven't whereas those other guys, my gosh, they've been there for a long, long time. You take, you know, Chris Paul and if Draymond was out there and Clay and Steph, those guys, holy moly, uh, the experience they bring is amazing. So it's, again, it's a, it's the group coming together and knowing what you're trying to do in execution. Well, fans experience Enrique Iglesias, Ricky Martin, and Pitbull together live at Chase on Wednesday, January 31st. Don't miss their 2024 Trilogy Tour tickets on sale now at ChaseCenter.com. We talked a little bit about Trace Jackson Davis, and I wanted to go back there, Saint, because, uh, I mean, this... uh, this stat that Warriors PR put out uh, after one of the recent games was incredible. He is one of three rookies this year in the NBA to put up back-to-back double-doubles alongside Chet Holmgren and Victor Wembenyama. I mean, that is great company to keep, especially for someone who's the number 57 pick in the 2023 NBA draft. We've discussed him a little bit, but what has impressed you most about his rookie season so far, Saint? Well, you know, I was impressed this past week. Now, I, again, I don't know who wrote it, but they told the story about draft day, about some teams having his name on the board as high as, I don't know, 12 to 15. And then some teams saying they're going to take him late in the first. And then they get to the second. And would you take a two-way contract and all this kind of stuff? And uh, he's represented by Mike Dunleavy's brother. And uh, I'm still amazed. The crazy things happen in the NBA draft, but how he fell to that number is beyond me. I've talked about the experience playing at, in- at Indiana, but Kev, do you ever see him flustered? No, not at all. No, that's what I love about this guy. And he knows his role. He stays within himself. He does. He sets quality screens. He's one of those strong guys like his dad was. When he hits you, he doesn't feel you, but the, the defender, he sure feels you. And yeah. then he's got great hands uh, rolling to the basket. When he's underneath the basket, he's vertical. He can get up there and finish. Uh I, I just don't see a guy that gets, oh, my gosh, I'm out here, late-game situation. I hope I don't yeah. make a mistake. I don't feel any of that with him. No. So uh, he's a stone-cold luxury. I, I just, I'm so happy for this young guy. Yeah, and the thing I really like about Trace is how he works with Chris Paul. I think Good those point. two are really building get great chemistry. Yes. Uh, writers have talked about kind of the, the pick-and-roll practice they get during practices, after practices, and how they're building that chemistry. And I think over the last few games, that has really come to light. 
Well, Kev, you know, there, there's different angles that a pick can set. And the majority of the high picks now are set up above, you know, the top of the key. Because people love the high pick. Uh, yep. But on the other side of the coin, we can have what we call a flat screen, which means his back is to the baseline. We can have a 45-degree angle when the guy is down on the box. We can have a 90-degree angle. And then also you can move your screen away from the box. The deeper the screen, the shorter the shot. If the shot is out further, the shot is going to be – if the pick is out further, the shot is going to be longer. So he's – you know what? This is like getting your master's or your doctorate. When Chris, when Chris Paul says, hey, Rook, hang around after practice. I'm going to grab a couple of the coaches, and we're going to just go over some screen situations. And for you to read what kind of screen we want you to set because – Great guys that set screens, boy. Shooters love those guys. They should buy him a stake every time they go on the road. (laughs) You mentioned his father, Dale, earlier. How much do you see of Dale and Trace? You know what I see? His dad was just stoic, just like he is. Yeah. And his dad was raw, strong. Like I, I coached a guy named Buck Williams, and I coached another guy, Terry Cummings. And those oh, yeah. two guys, when they set screens, you were like a fly or a mosquito. They didn't even feel you. <laughs> and you could see guys wince going, oh, my shoulder or my hip. You know, when they hit him and he's got that <laughs> he's got that quality about him. And I think he's going to be a fantastic screener. And if you set a good screen, you're a lot of times you're going to get the ball back. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. He's played in 20 of the 30 games this year. He's played a little bit with Santa Cruz, averaging 4.9 points, 3.5 rebounds. I expect those numbers to continue to go north, especially with the way he's been playing. And considering how well he's been playing, do you see an instance in which this guy could be starting for Golden State later on this season? Yeah, that that's not out of the picture. That you're you're going to handle. And Steve did it. I mean, they they tried to criticize him. You know, sticking with the vets and not playing the youngs and all that kind of thing. Well, when you've won four titles, you've earned some real estate. You've earned yeah. the time. And, uh, and he's in that situation. Now, can I pinpoint to you what he's not doing versus what he was doing? Uh, not really. It's just the way the team is playing. Two years ago, Kev, you helped me. They were the best starting five in the NBA. Yep. And now you're looking at him and saying, oh, brother, we got problems here. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's all going to be his individual play and how the group plays with him. But the one great thing you can bank on, that's another high character guy. That That yep. is just a terrific, terrific guy. And he will do what's best for the team. I, Gosh, I have a lot of respect for him. I, I'm glad you brought that last part up because I was at the G League Showcase in Orlando. You talk with coaches and scouts that you know, you've seen across the years in the G League. Yeah. And, and really, I was talking with, with some scouts out there, some guys, G League personnel, and really the, the, the consensus that I'm getting is that the scouting is, it comes down to what kind of dude is a guy, right? Like, yeah. you can see you what he does on the floor by watching copious amounts of film. But you want to know what that guy is like off the court. How does he fit in a team concept? And really, that's kind of where, from what I've been understanding from what people have been telling me, that's where a lot of the scouting kind of goes into. 
Oh, there's no you. You can physic. You can see the physical tools. You got to find the makeup of the guys. Hey, Mike Dunleavy, A plus with this draft. These yes. two guys. Uh, why exactly? To your point, these are two mature, intelligent guys off the floor and on the floor. And when you have that. Gosh, then these guys have big ears and big eyes. They want to grow. They want to learn. They listen. You know, smart people listen. And uh, you can see that with these guys. And, you know, you look at Looney's career, and, and it, it's just that. You know, he's, he went through the hip surgeries, and he had knee issues. But he's always had this work ethic. You may beat him in the race, you know, the hare and the turtle. But he may be, you may beat him, but at the end of the day, he's going to be there every day for you. Yeah, no, exactly right. And let's talk a little bit about Brandon Pajemski, right? Because so far oh, this boy. year, he has been really good. I remember when they drafted him, Kirk Lacob came up to me and he said uh, during the draft press conference, you're really going to like this guy, Brandon Pajemski. And he is wow. certainly not disappointed. It's just kind of the the moxie that he plays with. And, and I like that a, word. Yes. <laughs> he's got a lot of it. And as a starter, he's basically averaging 11.7 rebounds and four and a half assists. And that includes a game in those seven starts where he only played 16 minutes due to getting banged up against Boston. I mean, this guy has really, really uh, just kind of come out onto the scene. And there were a lot of people that criticized this pick by Mike Dunleavy Jr. Maybe not a lot of people. There were certainly, this pick certainly had some critics out there and those critics have been silenced. (laughs) All, All those guys are going, what the heck are you doing? Didn't you love now, I, I don't tweet or something like that, but I, I saw the text, or I think it was a text, that he posted uh, about his career. How at Illinois he had all those DNPs and all that kind of yep. thing. And then he goes to Santa Clara and, you know, uh, questioning about him there and all this kind of So he basically said, hey, if I can do it, any of you guys that love the game, you can do it. What a great yep. message to young fans. That if you put the work in and you believe in yourself, you can create a chance for yourself. Yeah, no, a great message for sure. How, how well do you know Herb Sendek, his coach at Santa Clara? Have you come across well, I, him at I all? I knew Herb, yeah, I knew Herb back when he was at uh, Kentucky uh, okay. with uh, Rick Patino, And gotcha. Tubby Smith was there. Uh, Frank Vogel was there. Uh, oh, my God. What That's a staff. A staff. B- Billy Donovan was there. They were uh, all on the same staff? Yes, and my college roommate was the assistant AD to C.M. Newton, who was a great, great coach at Alabama. And uh, I, I remember going down to the Kentucky Derby uh, with, with Rick and my roommate. And uh, we had more security than the governor did because we were with Rick Patino. <laughs> I mean, he was a made man. Oh, in big time. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. He's now, he now I do, You know how far I go back? I knew Rick when he was a freshman at the University of Massachusetts playing for Jack Lehman right after Dr. J. Oh, wow. Crazy. Man, did did you think he was going to be a a coach when you saw him that young? I I knew he had a confidence about him, and he had a good feel for the game. And uh, you know how you can look at guys and say, that guy's guy's a lifer. He he wants to to be in this. Yeah, Although, Although at that point... He probably thought he was good enough to play in the NBA. 
<laughs> I mean, it, it, he really feels like a guy who's never going to retire. He just keeps on coming back for more now at St. John's. But yeah. we are running up on another break in a couple of minutes. But before we do take that break, I think we just put a bow on this conversation with Pajemski and oh. Trace Jackson Davis by just saying, I mean, I and look. Ton could happen in the rest of their careers, but to get the early returns on these two draft picks that Mike Dunleavy Jr. got in his first draft as GM, I mean, he knocked it out the park. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, and, 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 and I'm really happy for him because, you know, he's, he's replacing a legend in, in Bob Myers, and yep. uh, he's had a lot to deal with, you know, with the green situation, and, uh, you know, and, and this draft, and then signing these young players, I, yeah, he, Kev, you're on top of it better than me. But at the end of the day, uh, signing Sarek was as good a veteran minimum signing Huge. as I, I can think of in the league. He's a Absolutely. perfect fit for the way they're playing. So they made a lot, a lot of really good moves. All-Star Voting is live, folks. Dub the Vote, presented by Google Cloud, gives you the power to send your favorite Warriors to this year's All-Star Game. Visit warriors.com slash dub the vote to vote now. We'll take a break. Come on back. Take a look at what's in store for the Warriors in the seven-game homestand coming up right here on 95.7 The Game. If you've just joined us, don't worry. We saved your seat. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Warriors Roundtable on 95-7 The Game. Curry behind the back. Wade stops and pops on the way. Ridiculous three on the white sideline. Now, here's Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. All right, let's take a look at our upcoming broadcast on 95.7 The Game, presented by Ticketmaster. start of a seven-game homestand. It starts tomorrow against the Miami Heat, 7 p.m. tip time, 6.30 on the air with Tim Roy and Tom Tolbert. That game presented by Ticketmaster. Then the homestand continues Saturday against the Dallas Mavericks, 5 p.m. on the air, 5.30 tip time, presented by CarMax. The homestand continues Tuesday, January 2nd against the Orlando Magic, 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time. That is Star Wars night. Then it's Thursday, January 4th against the Denver Nuggets, 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time, presented by Rakuten. And then Bruce Lee night, Friday, January 5th against the Detroit Pistons, 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time. My question to you, Saint, will the Pistons have won their third game by the time they come to Chase Center on January 5th? Doubtful. I mean, (laughs) I feel so bad for those guys. Oh, oh. that is... It's painful. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I thought with Bogdanovic coming back and, and Harris, uh, you know, I thought maybe they'd start to play better. But, uh, you know, Cunningham plays great the other night. And, uh, but they, they just can't put it together. They've had some injuries. Uh, the young kid Duran's been out. And uh, they've got a lot of athletes. They just they do. They don't have real good shooting. And it, and it no. just catches up with them every game. Yeah, I mean, you got Bogdanovich who can shoot. I mean, but yeah, it is it is tough to watch see a team lose twenty seven straight games. So after Detroit, then it, the the homestand continues and f- wraps up with Toronto and New Orleans. So we take a look at that seven game homestand: Miami, Dallas, Orlando, Denver, Detroit, Toronto, New Orleans. Certainly not an easy schedule, which you touched on earlier, Saint, by any stretch of the imagination. But it's one I think that 
they can go five and two, which would make you twenty and seventeen, gives you a little buffer above five hundred, and with hopefully at least a couple of wins against teams ahead of you in the standings, make you kind of feel better about where you are in the Western Conference. I'm going to tell you something. I, I, you know, I I think they can do even better. I really okay. do. I know they're playing these terrific teams. But uh, I, I think the fans are feeling some juice, too. I, I think they're, yep. they're energized. So I think the, the environment's going to be terrific. And uh, yeah, you, you hit on it. There's some great games. I mean, gee, yeah, yeah. If you can get tickets, get down there. Because, uh, for example, this Miami team, uh, you know, Butler doesn't play. And Hero's been out. And you're saying, well, you know, who's the – and Adebayo was out, too. And yet they keep on winning. Uh, they're just, I always use the expression, they're, they're, as, they're as tough as new rope. They're, they're just strong. And really uh, they, they, they are. And, and you know, we, we, they, you lose Matt Struess, but look at Duncan Robinson, uh, a yeah. product of Phillips Exeter Academy up in New Hampshire, yeah. where my son Greg did a year. And then he played at Williams College in the conference that my, Greg was in at Wesleyan. Then he goes on to Michigan, and he's hardly playing last year. He gets a big contract, hardly playing. But Struess leaves, he's back, and he's having a heck of a year. And, and they don't, that's the thing with them. Their, their signature thing when you evaluate the Miami Heat is their player development. They spend just oh, a lot, a lot of time with guys, analyzing what they can help them with. And uh, it, it, it's just a credit to the whole, and listen, I'm, you know, I'm a big Pat Riley guy, and it starts all with him. Yeah, no, it really does. And you discussed Duncan Robinson. I mean, he was looking like the worst contract in the NBA last year. Six points per game last year, 33% from three on 4.6 attempts. This year, he skyrocketed to 15 points per game, 45% from three on 7.1 attempts. He's been huge. And then we talk about draft steals for Golden State. Well, how about Jaime Hawkins going to 18 for Miami? That guy has put together quite the rookie season, averaging more than 13 points per game. Now, Kev, you're on top of it. Did you think he was this good? I mean, I liked him at UCLA. I, I thought he had a feel for the game. Uh, he attacked the paint well and didn't get nobody could speed him up. But I didn't. I didn't see this. He he make he's making a lot of shots. Yeah, I thought he would be a solid role player for ten to twelve years in the NBA. Yeah. Not someone who's going to score thirteen points per game their rookie season. Someone that you I'm can insert you. into the lineup as you know, as an older rookie, probably twenty two years old. He had the four years at UCLA, but certainly yeah. not someone who's going to explode onto the scene. So, look, this is a Miami Heat team that is eighteen and twelve. They're coming off the win over Philadelphia on Christmas. No Embiid, but. Uh, again, no Jimmy Butler for Miami in that game. What do you think the Warriors need to do to get this homestand off on the right foot? Well, you know, when you when you look at them now, you, you, I'm not letting the cat out of the bag. You focus on Robinson and Harrell uh, in, in terms of their defense. And uh, you, you're trying to create opportunities. Get get your best players in areas where they can succeed, where they can score the basketball. And uh, for example, I'd like to get Steph going early, and let's see if we can continue this with Clay. And boy, I, I got my toes crossed, my fingers crossed, because I'm really looking forward to a game where Wiggins and, and uh, Kaminga are really on the same page, both playing at a high level. And I think that's going to be a big key to this homestand because you're going to. Yeah. We mentioned all these guys, but those are two key guys to to have a lot of success over the next uh, two weeks. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. So the homestand continues against the Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks oh, coming off brother. Of a big win in Phoenix. I'm sure you were uh, closely watching that game with a. Uh, can I can admit to you? I shut yeah. it off. Oh. <laughs> I was so ticked off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to give Luca credit. He's Ooh. grown up. He listened. Smart people listen, as we said before. Jason asked him if he wanted to play an up-tempo game, which he wasn't capable of doing the last couple of years. He said yes. He hired a nutritionist. He hired a strength and conditioning guy. They brought them all the way to Serb- from Serbia to Dallas, and they continue to work with them. And you can see the productivity. The problem with playing them, you got Timmy Hardaway, his dad, uh, you know, who I love. Uh, He's having a heck of a year. He's been starting quite a bit. They're doing this without Maxi Kleber, without Green, and without Irving. Yeah. And uh, this kid, Lively, the rookie from Duke, he gives you vertical spacing exactly like we're talking about with Davis. And your dilemma then is how do you play Luka? Do you double him like people want to do with Steph? Well, they're such good pack passers. You're picking your poison and you're saying, well, how many shooters do they have on the floor and what can I get? And uh, so credit to them. And their whole key to me is if they can improve defensively. But they, they're going to score the basketball. Yeah, I mean, Lucas certainly scored the basketball on Christmas. 50 points, 15 assists, oh my three blocks. I mean, and this year, the, the thing about Luca that you always kind of had questions in the past, his free throw shooting, which was always surprisingly yes. in the low 70s, yeah. now that's up to 79%. Almost yeah. yeah, almost 80%. And now he's 39% from three, and he yeah. kind of lived in the low to mid-30s the first part of his career. Now, I'm not going to tell him to his face, but I would get excited for him if he would stop flopping and complaining to the refs. <laughs> if that ever happens, watch out. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure you can bank on that, say. <laughs> he's, hey, he's watching too much of the Euro League, the Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about the Suns, though, right? I mean, uh, they just can't get their big three to all be available at the same time. They're now 14 and 15 and yep. just kind of a rough start to the season. You know what? Uh, they win seven in a row. Uh, they they outworked people. They rebounded. They got in the open floor. They found whether uh, Booker was out or Durant was out. Well, either one of them or both playing. Uh, they they won. Uh, then Allen was out for a while. Then Gordon was out for a while. And they've just and, and we talked about Beal. He's supposed to come back maybe this weekend. You're not kidding yourself when you go with this theory of having three big-time contracts like this, three big-time players. What does that do the rest of your roster? You have to fill it out with a lot of minimum or veteran minimum guys. They've got some hard-working guys that, Kev, I would take you in a game of horse over a number of them. Uh, I I think you'd murder them. Now, uh, with that said... Uh, you know, they're, they're winning tonight. They're up 19 at the end of three against Houston, at Houston. And uh, they, they just got to say, hey, you know, we, we, we can't be thinking again about I and me. We got to get to work here together. And if they do that and if they get Beal and the three of them are healthy, uh, you know, I keep saying to everybody, Warriors, them, get in the top six. Yeah. Get in the top six. Stay the heck away from that darn play-in stuff. That's dangerous stuff. And uh, that's what a lot of these teams with the parity in the West are shooting for now. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Just get into the top six and make your life a little easier in the playoffs. I mean, how about Kevin Durant tonight? 15 points, 15 assists through three quarters. You could have a 20-20 game, maybe a 20-20 triple-double. He He never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that'll do it for us this week, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week for our first show of 2024. Big thank you to Lucas Alexander behind the glass. We will say so long for now and talk to you next year right here on 95.7 (laughs) game. <laughs> You've been listening to the Warriors Roundtable. Curry breaks it through. One hand free. Up and good. The exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. Playful and nailed it. 95-7 the game. For tickets, call 888-GSW-HOOP.